Facebook famously determined that if a new member invited 10 friends within 14 days, they were hooked for life. So they focused religiously on driving the user experience to this key metric. If you apply this product-based approach to B2B sales, then you can identify those users that are ready to talk. And this method is known as the Product Qualified Lead, or PQL. So if you sell in a freemium, open source, or trial model, then the PQL method is critical to give your sales team visibility into who is ready to talk. So talk to your data team, or better yet, partner with Whaler's team of data scientists to develop a PQL model tailored specifically for your business. You'll be empowered by knowing exactly when a user is ready to convert. To see specific examples, go to getwhaler.com forward slash Andy. That's G-E-T-W-H-A-L-R dot com forward slash Andy. And as a bonus, if you sign up to learn more about Whaler and PQLs, then Whaler will send you their optimized two-page master services contract that you can leverage for your own business free of charge. It's time to accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to another edition of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Now, before we get to the show, Bridget and I have a favorite ask of you. Really appreciate it. If you took time right now to leave a review for this show on iTunes, and while you're there, click the button, subscribe to Accelerate, make sure you get Frontline Friday automatically each week. Also, we need to hear from you. More specifically, we need your sales questions. I mean, what can we answer for you? What challenges do you have that we can help you with? So go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline and enter your question there. Each month, we're going to select one listener's question to be the question of the month. And the winner will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. So remember, go to accelerate.fm forward slash frontline to give us your question and maybe win 50 bucks. So Bridget, how are you today? Andy Paul. Yes. I am great. I'm fantastic. <laughs> you are fantastic. I'm wonderful. We've it's, established it's that. It's end of the quarter. It's end of the quarter, as I mentioned. And I will share with the people, the people. what I with the people what I told Andy just before we started that we just moved into our own office space. There's still some work that needs to be done. And somebody came by yesterday, was walking around and told me that they were going to start demoing the office demolishing the office not, not demonstrating it yes the, yes yes demolishing the office the last week of the quarter and i told them actually they weren't going to do that the last week of the quarter so i've got i'm if if you read about me in the paper that like i'm the one that's barricaded in front and won't let the <laughs> like won't let the, let the wrecking ball come but it's not for like i'm not trying to preserve a tree I'm trying to make sure the team can keep selling. Or a historical so. landmark. Yes. Well, at least you have your priorities straight. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Okay. So uh, we have a guest today joining us on the Great. show. And joining us is Ryan O'Donnell. And Ryan is CEO of Cell Hack and Repl- Replyify, which I always butcher. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm great. And just to let you know where my mind is when I hear that you're demoing the office, I, I know I, 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 I go right into who are you demoing it to? Yes. Have you qualified them? How did uh, you get them interested? <laughs> so I, I think love we're gonna that. have a fun talk. I love that. Yes. When I had said something to my team about they were gonna demo the office, they were also like, Really? Over WebEx? How are they gonna demo the office? So um You know, yeah. Demolish. Right, so, so yeah. So 
that's really that could be one of the topics today is like hey people get a life it's not all about demonstrations <laughs> i know i know there are, there are other words that, that we can use. So, uh, Ryan, where are you joining us from today? Sunny Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, right. Ohio. So why does your profile say Brooklyn? I lived there for 10 years before my wife and I got on the baby train. And I'm the proud father of my three favorite startups. Well, Jack you're... is five, Charlie's three, and Grace is two months at this point. So nice. I'm busy. Well, usually people, when they move out of the city, they go to... Westchester or Long Island, you you chose to go much further afield. We're Ohio folk. Uh, once we graduate, my wife and I graduated from college and looked around at the market, and unfortunately, we we left. Um, what are they called? Boomerangs. We left for yes. greener pastures. You know, did our career in New York for you know about ten years, and then um, came back here to raise a family. Got it. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it is indeed. So, um, so tell us just a little bit about Cellhack and Replyify. The why or the what is built on the why, right? So the what is Cellhack is a prospect list building tool, verification of email addresses, built for salespeople who don't want to waste time spending their days in, you know, building out Excel files, guessing email addresses, going to 10 different sites to verify them. And Replyify is a cold email automation system. Um, that's the what. The why is um, I've run various startups with various degrees of success and always struggled with sales and, and particularly just, the, you know, the amount of time that sales take. And the fact that when you're in sales, I want to spend all of my time, or at least the vast majority of my time, having sales conversations or thinking about sales and not, you know, working on data entry that's going to ultimately kind of feed that pipeline and, and turn into those sales conversations. So why why I'm working on it is there was a problem. I was wasting too much time, so we built the solution, which is sell hack for the list building and email verification, and then reply five for uh, the cold email and pipeline automation. So, email sort of one of your things, and one of the things you, you guys can sort of specialize in is you say the psychology behind sales email. So, what is the psychology behind sales emails? Is there a psychology behind sales emails? I'm working on a on a post right now, and and I'd like to share this with with. You know, in the in the footer notes, is this, a, this is this an exclusive like world premiere? This, this is an experiment that I'm running. So oh, okay. I, I experiment at night, and like I said, I, I I have three kids, so I work in two shifts. I I work during the day, and then I check out typically between six and nine, and then once I get the kiddos to bed, um, that starts the second shift, right? And the second shift is when I can you know do all the things that um, I couldn't do during the day. Uh, because I was working on more kind of time sensitive things. So um, what I'm working on right now and, and what I'm going after is, yes, the, there is a psychology behind cold emails and, and email outreach. And I'd be curious to get both of your opinions on this as well. But I'll, I'll spend the next 30 seconds on on, on my two cents. Sure. Um, there, are, there are people who, who talk about cold emailing and the psychology of it. There are people who actually do it. And then if we're looking at a Venn diagram, you can't see me with my hands up in the air right now. There aren't very many folks who do both, right? Who get into the weeds on, on and, and get analytical 
and you know run experiments and use a scientific method to test out different approaches and actually do go out there and test and and are okay with failure um, but look for those um, tests that that yield high response rates and high engagement rates um, and I, and if you guys press me I'll go into the experiment that I'm working on right now um, I think the psychology behind cold emailing is you know right time right person right message right and and it's marketing 101 but when you put it into practice, how many of us are actually doing it? How many of us are writing very, very specific campaigns for very specific segments, right? And most of us will go out and say, hey, um, I have a product or service that I sell into um, vice presidents of sales, right? And I go out and I, I have one email campaign that I send to a bunch of vice presidents of sales and, and various other sales titles. Um, but you'd be surprised if you actually looked into the data of the people who actually buy your product or service or, or who are your best customers, that you're going to have CEOs of 10-person you know, startups. You're going to have VPs of sales at 5,000-person organizations. You're going to have you know, everywhere in between. And, and the thing that I don't see often enough, and, and the best thing for me is that um, I know the difference. And I know that for these different segments and because I treat them differently, I write my email campaigns very, very differently because the VP sales at a 5,000 person company cares about different things than a VP of sales or a CEO who's doing the selling at a five or 10 person company. And I think that message and that approach is missed by so many people. And I'll shut up now. Chime in. Well, I mean, to me, that's that a little bit of, of, their motherhood and apple pie there i mean the whole idea about you know segmenting your markets and and creating content and emails for specific personas certainly the talk is out there i mean i guess your point would be is that a lot of talk but people aren't really doing it in in actual implementation i don't i don't what do you, what do you see bridget yeah i i mean i agree with you in terms of what uh, you're talking about here also ryan that you see more people talking about it than you do, than you find people actually doing it. But I guess it goes back to like when you were saying the right person, the right time with the right message. I think when maybe reps are doing more volume, they don't always know if it's the right time. So sometimes it's hard to get the right time. Um, and if you don't know if it's the right time, sometimes it's hard to really know what the right message is. I like what you were talking about before, uh, just at the end there, that what's important to a VP of sales at a 500-person company and what they're thinking about is very different than a VP of sales at a 20-person company. And so I think the messaging there can be different. I think it's hard to do. I think it's hard to do, and I think people do get lazy, but I think it's... Uh, just as a sales leader and as sales leaders, these are the things that we need our individual sales reps to be thinking about and doing. And actually, this is where the creativity is and fun in sales, that it's not so robotic. Well, but isn't this one of the real issues that we have with you know, the technologies we're using in sales these days is that, you know, is that you know, we have this idea of sort of mass personalization, right, or personalization at scale, which, you know, to me is sort of oxymoronic, right? I mean, you really can't personalize that scale. So I think one of the you know, points that 
Ryan's are bringing up is like, yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you do this intelligently in a way that the outreach is much more personalized to the person you're sending it to? And I have a solution all right. for that. Sure. I'm going to jump in. Jump in. Right. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the audience and, and ask both of you and you could take this as a rhetorical question or just kind of jive off of my comments. How many cold email campaigns do you have right now? How many active or, or for, for your sales team, right? If you, if you sat down in your next sales meeting, you said, all right, everyone, I'd like you to do this this week in your next sales meeting. I'd like you to ask your sales team, um, the folks who are out there, the SDRs, the BDRs, the the sales development reps, anyone who's who's sending out cold email campaigns, how many campaigns do they actually have active right now? Okay, and if it's one or two, it's not enough. It's not enough in my opinion, right? So when I talk about right time, right place, right message, I marry that up with having a a, a an experimental mindset. Right. And applying a scientific method to what you're doing right now, I have eight campaigns running. I have eight different campaigns running. They all are are similar, but they're they're different. Some are a bit more aggressive and edgy to one audience. Some are, are, are toned back a bit. Some are referencing the fact that, you know, for the right time, some are referencing the fact that we are, um, you know, in Q4 right now. And that we should be thinking about how to close out the year strong, but also how to plan for a strong Q1, right? So, it, so at any given time, I'm running, I'm running at least five different campaigns to five different segments, and I'm experimenting across there. And and I think you know, to your point, Andy, when we think about this mass personalization at scale and and, and having it be oxymoronic, I think it is. If your approach is. I have one kind of one stock cold email campaign and I know my target segment and I'm just going to feed the beast, right? There are, you know, 8,000 people who fit my, my persona or my perceived persona. And I have this campaign that I've, you know, run some AB tests on, done some variants on it and it's working. And I'm just going to feed that beast with 50 to 250 new prospects per day and start them up in my email sequence. Right. So I'm going to call BS on that approach. And I'm going to say, if you're doing that, you're you're not segmenting enough. You're not running enough tests. You're not getting edgy enough. You're not pushing the limits. And and it's one thing to push the limits and drop in and start a campaign sequence of, you know, 5000 new contacts that you might burn or put off because you're running an edgier campaign. Um, It's much different if you start, you know, with a smaller scale and say, hey, look, I'm going to go out and test this 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 hypothesis and I'm going to see what the response rate is. And based on that, I'm going to decide whether to keep this campaign or kill it, you know, double down on on success and feed that more. Or I'm going to dial it back and, and you know, you know, cut my losses and, and move on to the next one. So, Bridget, you've got a sales team. Can you answer his question? How many they have? Yeah. I mean, first of all, are the campaigns originated by the individuals in your organization or do you guys coordinate and have, you know, so we've got, we've got one campaign that marketing runs sort of in conjunction with sales that's product related for every new trial, but then the sales reps have, God, they've got a variety of different campaigns. Like they don't have one or two They're They look at where the lead came from, that's going to have one sort of campaign. They look at the level of the person, that's a different kind of campaign. They look at the size of the company, 
So they they have several different campaigns, but there are within each campaign, there's also personalization at least the first one within every single one. And maybe we're just not doing the scale that you're talking about. Um, Ryan, maybe we're, we're, we're not doing 5,000 and I would never have a sales team do that many. That's a marketing exercise, but I really want them to be very personalized around uh, where the lead came from, the industry that they're in, the level of the buyer, um, the size of the company. And your SDRs are doing that personalization themselves in terms of well, saying my, and creating the sales a, reps are sales yeah, reps are sales reps are but yeah. creating creating campaign for specific personas. Yeah, they are. I agree with that. And and you know, having run Cell Hack and you know I cringe whenever I get on a call and you know I go through my, my you know, I have a couple uh, qualification questions. So when I send a cold email out my CTA, my call to action is, you know, let's set up time, you know, you know, how does your calendar look next week for a quick call to see if there's a fit, right? It, it, that's pretty standard. It wasn't so standard four years ago, right? It, it, it was a lot of, hey, would you like to start a, a four week premium trial and, and much, you know, much higher commitment calls to actions and, and that didn't get responses to emails. Um, what I'm conveying is, I don't want to waste your time. I certainly don't want to waste my time, right? With with having a, a half hour call to do a demo to demo the office, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, you look like a good fit based on my research. You seem like a good fit because you're similar to other customers or that that I currently have, and I'd like to see what you're currently doing, and I'd like to see if 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 we have a fit. Um, so that's my call to that's my call to action. It's a it's a pretty easy, low commitment, um, you know, response to the person to say, yeah, I'm interested. Let's set up a call, or no, I'm not interested. I have this covered, and and we fork off from there. Um, so the the cold emailing that I'm doing, um, it kind of falls into two different categories. One is we have inbound leads. Right, and those inbound leads kind of go into a separate, uh, a separate uh, sequence or, or cadence, and then we have folks that are are presumptive. They're they're prospects. They they fit a a certain persona that we've identified internally, um, that you know where they look and feel like our existing clients. So we have a pretty good indication that there might be a good fit. So we do our our cold emailing where you know. Uh, Folks on our team are sending out anywhere from 50 to 150 cold emails per day or starting up 150 new prospects per day in any one of five different sequences, right? And, and Bridget, to, to your point, the sequences very much depend on, you know, the, the company size, uh, the person's title, um, you know, how they fit within the organization, things that they're thinking about. But, but from an experimental standpoint, um, you know, we'll have a segment it might be, you know, CEO in the Internet industry located in the U.S. with, you know, less than 10 employees, but greater than one. We have a very specific campaign um, or a very, very specific sequence of emails that we send them to try to get to that first call to see if there is a fit. Right. Or get them to reply back. And I guess what what I'm encouraging folks who might be listening to this to do is to look at how you're approaching your outbound cold prospecting emails 
and challenging your assumptions, right? And, and also running different tests with your campaigns and get a little bit more edgy with content. Like try to talk to them about things that are, are very assumptive and may or may not resonate with them. And some won't, and you might offend a few people and get some nasty replies back or, or whatever. But when you find the, the type of campaign that speaks to your, your prospect in their language and, and you build that rapport seamlessly, those are, are the types of you know re- replies to emails and demos and qualified leads and you know engaged prospects who ultimately end up converting at a much higher rate from what we find. Yeah, and I would say, Ryan, we definitely have work to do on that front. Like, we're not there. We're not where we need to be on that for sure. Well, do you lead with email or lead with calls, Bridget? Uh, you mean is the first is the first, first contact a call or is it an email? Well, typically it's an email. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and certainly not for all organizations. You know, a lot of companies are purely call first. Yeah, and part of it is because we haven't had an SDR team number one, and our the company has been our headquarters are in Tel Aviv, as you know. I do. So until we opened up this Boston office, it just wasn't the the, the time difference and follow the sun. We had some issues with that, but uh, we typically do it, it's it's uh, we do email first, but a quick follow up with phone is the that's that's what we're going for. Okay, so that's your cadence. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get back to the the original question then. Is so, or let's say a branch of the original question. We're talking about psychology yeah. behind emails. Is so why do emails still work? Given how overwhelmed people are by the number of emails they get, why why do they still work? Why are we still using them? Why are we still cold calling? Why do people still make cold calls? Right. I, I was a stockbroker. Uh, Back when I first moved to New York, first job I ever got, moved to New York, I hit Craigslist and, you know, started applying to jobs and I was a, 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 a cold caller. Mm-hmm. And my job was to walk into the office every day wearing a $75 suit because I got three for 150, uh, $150, you know, right out of college nice. on, you know, 34th street and, and fifth Avenue yeah, garbage yeah. dog, you know, I, w- I would. <laughs> I still have one of them, and I keep them in my yeah, closet. The, the, just as the, the just seams are glued together, not sewn together. Just yes, as a yes. memory, yes. right? Yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> but I would go in every day, and I would. I would. My goal was five hundred phone calls a day, right? And I would speak to every single gatekeeper possible. Five, now, th- wait, wait, five hundred phone calls per day. Five. It, the goal was five hundred calls a day. Right? That's we tip amazing. Them, we typically get into like three. You're, ta- you're talking for a, you're talking to a team. That wasn't you personally. Me personally, like grinding and making phone calls off of off of three by five inch note. Uh, actually, no, the five by seven inch note cards um, that were you know specifically built over the weekend going on to you know the the old school site like Hoover's and building out a list of executives and literally just just grinding with a headset on so I've done cold calling they still do that today they sure. do the same thing today they do they, they do it so why email and why not phone call and 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 I will I'll challenge anyone here uh, I'll challenge either of you or anyone listening here um, tell me how many emails you can send within a five-minute period compared to the number of phone calls you can make within that same five-minute period. 
right? And if we want to go, if we want to go even, you know, down one level, and and go back to the 1950s, where you know you had folks walking around, you know, door to door selling vacuum cleaners and blenders and everything else. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're, you're talking about you're They're talking about you're talking about, you're talking about how Bridget got started. Right. Yeah, Just right. You don't want to make Bridget. Like, you I still like. I still like selling vacuums. Yeah, you don't want to make Bridget feel old. Email is the most efficient method of trying to engage someone that you don't know in a conversation, right? And it, and email is just a different medium compared to a phone or door-to-door or direct mail, right? For for B2B, if you don't have you know, if there's if you don't know someone you can't do business with them unless you yeah, unless you you meet them right so if you don't know someone you can't do business so the next level is you look for an introduction if someone cannot introduce you to the person that you want to meet to do business with you have to introduce yourself and you have a a couple of different options you can buy ads right which is a separate conversation um, you could you know show up at their at their office and try to get a meeting you can call them and try to cold call them, get a meeting, or you can send an email to them, which is, you know, maybe, you know, likely their preferred method of communication, maybe not for cold emails, but if your message is correct and is, is easily consumable and your call to action doesn't require them to really think about it very much. I think that it, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say email is the most efficient and effective way to contact someone you've never met. And I think it's, it's done and the way it, the way that, you know, when it's handled correctly, it shows, you know, the utmost respect for their time and for your time. Right. And you have to be okay. And, and I enjoy getting a quick no, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right? Oh, because, yeah. because I have 10,000 other, there are 10,000 other folks that I haven't talked to yet mm. who might be receptive mm. to, you know, what I might have to, to offer with regards to value. Um, so I'm going to go on a limb and say email's most effective way of, of contacting folks, but there is a right and a wrong way. And there's a lot of room in between, which is where the vast majority of folks who are selling via email um, tend to fall. And I think with the right experimentation and the right mentality to try different things, um, I think that's where, yes, you, you can, you know, you can have quicker, <laughs> quicker losses where people are like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, leave me alone, get out of my face. Um, but then you'll try something and, you know, all of a sudden you have a 60% response rate. Yeah. Right. And that's where you double down on that type of campaign. So it's this, it's this ex, ex, experimentation and having that mindset of trying new things. And I just wrote a blog post on this about writing drunk and editing sober. Right. So on the second shift, once I get those kids to bed, I pour a glass of <laughs> bourbon, I bust out the pretzels. I call it adult Oreos because yeah. I dip I dip these like delicious sourdough pretzels into a glass of bourbon. And that's when I do my creative stuff. Right. I've got Netflix on one screen um, or, or I'm listening to music and I'm just grinding and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm looking at the emails that I'm getting and I'm thinking about, all right, am I really going to send out, you know, am I really going to write a, a new campaign that basically says the same thing that I've always been been saying, or am, or am I going to try something different? Right. So, can I tell you about that something different quickly? Sure. No, I was still like 
thinking you've you've come up with a new definition for Netflix and chill. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, and not not necessarily, not necessarily, not necessarily a better one either. I'm weird. I like what I do. Um, your wife is, sounds like she's uh, very patient with you. She she grinds as well. Okay. Um, so we're we're on we're on the same level there. So um, here's here's the problem I had last last night. It literally, literally last night. Right. I have, you know, I went out and I built a list of of folks that you know were in the same group. Um, we're in the same LinkedIn group. Mm-hmm. We'll just call it what it is. We're in the same LinkedIn group. These are people who are similar to me with regards to to what they do on a day to day. Okay, so I went in and I and I, I I you know I went in and I built a list and and I you know got their email addresses and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna email these folks. And the first thing that that came to mind was I'm gonna email them with like my my um, my standard sequence, right? Which is, which is very generic and very vanilla. It's, it, it's well-crafted, but it, it kind of screams, Hey, I, I, I went out and searched Google and I found, you know, I looked at, at the five top posts for here are the, here are the top 10 email templates you should be sending. And it looks and feels like that. Right. So I flipped the script and I said, look, rather than than sending these folks an email that that kind of you know goes through a sequence of telling them how much value we can add to them and how much we can help them save time in their in their you know sales and, and outbound process, so I said, look, I'm going to create a I'm going to create a new campaign, and instead of asking them if they're interested to having a call to see if we're a fit, and and th- this is real, th- this is no BS. I just said, look, I'm going to go out and. I'm going to take the initiative. I want to write a I want to write a post which is not written by a marketer who's writing, you know, the the top 10 cold email campaign templates you should be using, mm. right? Which which marketers all over you can go out sure. and, and and find 50 examples of this. I want to talk to the people who are in the weeds. I want to talk to the folks who are doing this every single day. I want to learn about what are the what are the 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 most aggressive, nasty, mean responses you've ever gotten to a cold email? I want to learn about what are the best responses you've ever gotten. I want to learn about like what are the you know what what emails or what templates are you using? What are you saying to your prospects that are getting them to react in either a very positive or a very negative way? So my campaign sequence, I, I flipped the switch rather than talking about how we can help them. I said, look, I need some help, right? We're in the same group. We, we do similar things. You do this every day. You probably have the same pent up anger and the same, you know, the, the same high highs and the same low lows as I do, right? When you get a, a great response because you hit someone at the right time with the right message and the same low lows when you get that nasty response in all caps that says, if you email me one more time, I'm, you know, having my general counsel, you know, contact you, right. Or I'm calling the cops and I've gotten that one before. So my campaign completely flipped, right. And I haven't started it yet. I have not said it live yet. I, I came up with the idea last night. I've been writing, I wrote the first draft of my campaign sequence and, and what I, what I message to these folks or what I'm planning to send them is, look, help me create something that, that folks who just don't know where to start can actually derive some value from and, and let's help give them some guidance with regards to what they should expect and potentially how to respond to that. And my goal is that, you know, I'm going to, it's, it's authentic. I want to create an authentic piece of content 
that was, you know, uh, contributed by the community of people who do this every single day. And in the process, if some of these folks say, oh, I might be interested in using Replyify to send out my cold email sequence or, you know, I've been struggling getting leads and cell hack might be interesting to, to help me get, um, you know, valid email mm-hmm. addresses. Mm-hmm. That's a benefit. This is this is a test that I'm running and I'll report back, um, you know, to both of you and, 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 and I'll share with, you know, whoever is listening now, we'll we'll update the, the, the comments on this. Um, and I, I will share the output of this, but okay. this well, is in play and this is a new kind of a approach right. for flipping the script. Okay. Well, we'll have you back on to, to talk about that at the point in the yeah, future. Yeah, sounds in the meantime, great. If people want to share with us the, you know, their top email templates and they want to share with us the best and worst replies they've received from potential prospects to the emails they sent, then share them with us. You can uh, do one of two things. You can email those to me at andy at andypaul.com. And uh, also you can go to andypaul.com and on the homepage there's a button you can press, a little red button that says ask a question or talk to me and you can leave us an audio message and about your experiences and we'll play those on the air and and answer any questions and comment on it appropriately. So, uh, Ryan, unfortunately we're out of time, but appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. This is fun. Let's do it Great again. Great to have you, Ryan. Yeah, we'll do it again, definitely. And uh, Bridget, as always, it's been fantastic talking with you. As always, I Andy used, Paul. I used your word, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. And uh, everybody that spent the time with us today, I really appreciate you spending your time with us. Hopefully we've been able to pass along something interesting. So make sure to come back and join us again next week. Bridget, until then. Until then, we'll talk to you next week.